Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 171. Hi, how are you? So I had a wild week last week. <laughs> uh, it was Tuesday night, well, Tuesday at 12, 10 a.m. I woke up. And at first I wasn't sure why. I was woken. Was I hot? Did Hank wake me? Do I need to pee? And as I lay there trying to figure it out, I felt this deep stimulation in my belly, a rumbling, a calling. And ah, I know now, I know why I'm awake. <laughs> I'm going to be sick. I vomited 13 times that night from 12.20 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. that morning. I think that's the sickest I've ever been as an adult. And as the sky turned pink <laughs> early Wednesday morning, I was exhausted and dehydrated. I had planned to train that day, record two podcasts, pick up a final, some, you know, a few final things for my photo shoot, get my hair done. And I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> I couldn't eat. I tried to drink water and I slept on and off all day, willing my body to get better for my photo shoot, which was the next day. <laughs> This photo shoot that I've been planning for months was the next day. Uh, early Wednesday evening, I said to Carson, I'll be fine by tomorrow. I'll be fine. And Carson said to me, you don't just want to be fine. You've spent a lot of time planning this and invested a lot of money into it. You want to enjoy the experience and not feel like you need to go to the bathroom every five minutes. But I went to bed <laughs> determined <laughs> that I was going to be fine. And, you know, I think sometimes I still think that I'm the boss and not my body. So I woke up at 6 a.m. the next morning and, well, I wasn't fine. <laughs> a photo shoot, a half-naked photo shoot is something that you definitely want to bring your A game to. And I didn't have a game that morning. There was no game in me. What I had was a dried up, dehydrated body that hadn't had food for like, you know, 30 hours. <laughs> And then I started to get diarrhea. So I unfortunately had to postpone my photo shoot. <laughs> I had had a brief encounter with the dark side last week, just not the dark side that I had planned for. So she is rescheduled for next Friday morning. Uh, and... That's That was my week. That was my wild week. But I'm back and I'm 110%. We're recording this pretty early in the morning because the construction, she's wild this week. Uh, and I feel like my voice hasn't warmed up yet. You, you are the first person that I'm talking to this morning. 
So one thing I just wanted to talk about was that things almost always never go to plan. (laughs) And I think training has really taught me that lesson. Uh, I don't know if you remember when I shared the Your Attitude Sucks post. (laughs) This was a little while ago, but basically I was obsessed with things going to plan, in particular my training. You know, my self-worth was wrapped around the barbell. And when she or I weren't moving well, when training wasn't going well or going to plan, it all exploded. You know, I would meticulously follow the program to the point when, you know, it didn't go to plan. Well, I spat the dummy to use an old Aussie phrase. (laughs) I was very rigid and... I was being suffocated by perfectionism. So I'd force myself to keep going in that session until it was perfect or in that movement or that lift. And I would often force my body to do things that it didn't want to do. So I would push through fatigue, pain, small injuries. And if I didn't lift well or hit the numbers that I wanted to, I would take it out on myself and my coach. But I did learn a very valuable lesson from this time in my life. And that's what I want to speak to you about today. Your training will not always go to plan. And you need to learn how to confidently adjust and modify your training based on the feedback your body is giving you. And if you ignore it, you will likely be injured ruin relationships and not enjoy the experience. So we are dealing with a dynamic thing, the body. The body is dynamic and we just can't have the expectation that everything will go to plan, that everything needs to go to plan. I'm 13 years into my practice and I'm still trying to hit numbers and get movements I've been working on for 13 years. I've had to adjust my plan and my strategies and my training so many times based on what's going on in my life and what the body is telling me. And that's why I'm the queen of adjustment or what I like to call dynamic adjustment. And dynamic adjustment is the skill to be able to, in real time, change or adjust or modify your plan or your strategy or your training based on what's going on for you right now. And this this idea of adjustment and dynamic adjustment. I've spoken about it before on the podcast and it's it's such a big part of warrior school. All of my warriors are on individualized programs and get one-to-one coaching because we need to look at the difficulty they are facing right now and adjust the strategy and training so they can always keep training. My number one goal is to keep them in the game. So for example, if a warrior writes to me and says that she's getting knee pain when squatting, so we take this feedback and we adjust her training to address the problem. 
or if she's going away and she wants to continue to train while she's on holidays, we adjust the program so she could keep training. If she's been sick for a while and her energy is in the toilet, we need to create a new strategy for her to help her to get back into training. Or if she tore a calf muscle playing soccer with her son, we need to create a rehab program for her calf so she can keep training and rehabilitate the injury. So this is why I believe every woman needs a coach and she needs to be on an individualized training program. It's where she will get the most success. It's where you will get the most success. Uh, and there's another part of it that I was, you know, I was thinking about while I was sick. Something Carson said to me was, you really need to enjoy the experience. And I really do believe that we need to enjoy this experience, this health experience, this training experience. And the way that we do this is by learning to adjust our plan, our strategy or our training based on what's going on in our life or the feedback our body is giving us. You know, the way that we enjoy the experience is we work with the body, not against it. I was actually on a call with Nikita the other day and Nikita and I've been working together for over a year, uh, maybe about 13 or 14 months. And at the start of the call, I asked her, you know, what's, what's going on? What's on your mind? Uh, how's, how's your week? And she said to me, well, I haven't gotten to the gym yet. And it was her Wednesday in Australia, but I trust myself to go to the gym now. I know that I will get it in. And I asked her what she meant by that. What did she mean by, I trust myself to go to the gym now? And she said to me, well, I really enjoy training. I feel good when I train and I'm seeing progress. Those three things make me want to train. I like going to the gym. And I think those three things are really important when it comes to enjoying the experience. Uh, for some reason, I don't know, we have this idea that it's meant to be really hard and a battle. And I just don't believe that it is. It's not meant to be hard. It's not meant to feel like a battle. Training is really simple, not always easy, but it's very simple. And when you have these three things, when you enjoy training, when you enjoy what you're doing, when you feel good doing it and you feel good after it and you see progress, you enjoy the experience. And when you enjoy the experience, you want to keep showing up. Uh, and so if you are really struggling with enjoying this health training nutrition stuff, if you're not enjoying the experience, I invite you to connect with someone. You know, I believe that we need energy, a plan and someone to support us. Those three things will help you get where you want to go. And then within that, 
The work really is in finding a way to train that you enjoy, that makes you feel good and gets you the results that you want, you know, that you can see progress. Um, so I just, I thought that was really cool and a really interesting way to look at things. You know, when Carson said that about my photo shoot, I thought, yeah, that's right. Like I'm here in this life to enjoy my experiences. You know, I've not enjoyed relationships. I've not enjoyed my training before. I've not enjoyed my nutrition before. And I'm not here for that. I'm here to enjoy the experience. So I'm always looking at, well, what's the plan or the strategy or the approach so I can enjoy this experience? Uh, and so next week on Friday morning, the last day of March, I am going to enjoy the hell out of my photo shoot experience. All right. So let's chat about what I want to chat about today. I actually want to chat about how I make decisions in my life, business, and training. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. So this month inside of Warrior School, we are focusing on vision. So the Warrior Way model, which is what we use inside of Warrior School, has four pillars. The first pillar is vision and a warrior's mindset. The second pillar is energy and endurance. The third pillar is training. And the fourth pillar is performance. So each month inside of Warrior School, we do these live coaching calls and live warrior teaching calls. And this month we're focusing on vision. So one of the things that we spoke about in the call was, well, where does our vision come from? You know, when we think about, okay, well, what is vision? Vision is really forward thinking. It's us looking at our future and looking at what do we want? You know, what do we want to do? How do we want to feel? What goals do we want to achieve? What does our life look like? You know, what does our body look like? So it's forward thinking. Now, where does that come from? I think it, a lot of our visions actually come from the culture, from society, uh, maybe from who raised us, you know, their worldview and belief system. And I think with when we talk about vision, 
we container ourselves in and we find it really hard to have vision with imagination. And that's a really big thing that we focus on inside of Warrior School is yes, we want to look at vision, but we also want to invite imagination into the vision because that's how we create a really powerful vision. So I actually did an activity with my warriors on one of the coaching calls and I wanted to take you through it. I think it's a really powerful activity and it can really help us unlock the constraints that we have on our vision. You know, a lot of us believe that we can't do something or we don't deserve uh, that thing or, you know, we, uh, and that's conditioning from the culture, from society, from, um, you know, how we were raised, our worldview and our belief system, the stories that we tell ourselves. And often it's like our vision lacks imagination, And I want to inject some imagination into your vision because that that's exciting. And it allows you to think outside of the box. Uh, So we did this activity and the activity or the prompt that I used on the call actually came from a book that I was reading. So I just finished reading Constructing a Nervous System. It's a memoir by Margot Jefferson. And there's this piece in the book that I wanted to read you. And then you're going to do an activity based on that little um, piece. So I quote, imagining and internalizing their world was like an after hours excursion to an off limits neighborhood. It was a pastime, not an ideology. So my prompt or my question for you is whose world do you imagine and internalize? What is your off-limit neighborhood? If you were to take an excursion to somebody's world, why? Why are you drawn to their world? Why are you attracted to their world or to them? What, what's magnetic about them and their world? Why do you feel like it's an off-limit neighborhood? Why do you feel like it's it can't be your neighborhood? You know, what would your world look like if you let go of the constraints uh, that you put on yourself? I want you to pause the podcast and I want you to just grab a piece of paper or your notes section in your phone. Imagine and internalize someone else's world. Why are you attracted to them and their world? What feelings come up? What, how would you describe them and their world? Why do you feel like it's an off-limit neighborhood or an off-limit vision for you? What would your world look like if we let go of the constraints and actually embodied some of those things or those characteristics from that person's world that you're imagining and internalizing. I want you to spend about five to 10 minutes really sitting and sinking into this prompt. Uh, It's a very powerful question. It's a very powerful prompt. Okay, so we're talking about vision and 
when we think about vision, we have to look at, well, okay, so how are we actually living? Uh, what are our behaviors, uh, our habits? What decisions or choices are we making every day? And are those in alignment with where we want to go? So first we got to get clear on, well, where do we actually want to go? What's the vision look like? Does the vision excite you? Then we need to look at, well, what plans or systems or behaviors or habits do I need to put in place so I can work towards the vision? Now, I want to talk about how I make decisions and the biggest thing that I've learned about making decisions. <laughs> Mostly I want to talk about how I make decisions when it comes to my training. So a lot of women that I talk to are not very good at making decisions. They like to indulge in confusion and uncertainty, uh, not always by choice, but a lot of women I find do indulge in confusion, uncertainty, overwhelm, um, ambivalence. So why are we so bad at making decisions, especially when it comes to our health, our nutrition and our training? For me, there's a few things that come up uh, when I think about this question. The first one is it's an energy problem. You know me, I'm always going to come back to that energy. If we are low on energy, we just don't have the capacity. We don't have the resiliency. We don't have the tolerance. So therefore, making decisions is a lot harder, especially if they're big decisions. You know, decisions require energy. And if we are low on energy, that makes the decision-making way harder. So I think it's mostly an energy problem, just like... <laughs> Um, with everything else, I always come back to energy. You always want to come back to the question, am I getting enough energy in and how do I know if I am or what's leaking all of my energy out and how do I plug some of those leaks? And yes, that means that actually maybe we've got to make some decisions, <laughs> but if we can get energy in, so if you can get a strong nutrition strategy, if you're eating enough food, if you're balancing your blood sugar, if you're sleeping, if you're walking, getting sunlight, training, all of those things are inputs. They bring energy in. Then you can look at, okay, what's leaking energy and the decisions that maybe you need to make in order to plug some of those energy leaks. So for me, the first thing is, okay, why are we so bad at making decisions? Well, it's probably an energy problem. The second one is fear. We're afraid. And we're afraid of judgment. Uh, we're afraid of the unknown. Uh, we're afraid that, I think we're mostly afraid that we're going to make the wrong decision. And then if we make the wrong decision, we're going to regret that decision. So I think fear is a really big one. Then maybe we could be confused and uncertain, you know, especially in this health space, the health and training space. There's so much information. It's not an information problem. If you can't get to where you want to go, it's not because there's a lack of information. <laughs> Often it's because there's too much information. 
There's so much that it's created so much confusion and uncertainty in your mind. The mind then can't make a clear decision because there is so much information. So I invite a lot of my warriors when they come into warrior school is to stop. Stop consuming, stop reading, stop learning and start listening. You've got to start listening and allowing and receiving and you've got to start being connected with your body. And it's really hard to, and your mind, and it's really hard to do that if there are a lot of inputs coming in, a lot of consumption. So the third one is, okay, why are we so bad at making decisions? Well, we're confused. We're very uncertain. We're very overwhelmed. And what's that saying? Um, paralysis by analysis or... It's basically around like how we have too many decisions, like walk into a supermarket, go down an aisle and you have like 50 choices for coffee or uh, 200 choices for cereal or, you know, 50 choices for milk. Now, if we only had two choices, well, the decision would feel way easier <laughs> because we don't have to choose from so many things. However, we could walk into that supermarket and we could still have 200 cereals, 50 milks, 50 coffees. But if we know the one that works for us and we feel confident in that, we can just walk right up, pick her off the shelf and walk away with confidence. And this is the thing I think a lot of women really struggle with is that they don't feel confident in making this the decision uh, when it comes to their health or their training or their food. And look, that's totally cool because we weren't taught all of this stuff. Yeah, we should have been taught all of this stuff in school. We should have been taught about our physiology, our metabolism, our hormones, our cycle. We should have been taught how to train properly. It's okay that you don't know this, but this is why you need to find someone who has done what you want to do, who has built what you want to build. This is why I'm such a big advocate for working with a coach. Just find someone who's done it. <laughs> find someone who, you know, you're, you're attracted to them and their world and what they've done and go and learn from them. Super powerful. And that kind of brings me to the fourth one, which is we're just, we just have a lack of experience when it comes to making powerful decisions around our health and our training and our nutrition, mostly because those decisions have been made for us uh, by being told what to do growing up, um, being told what to do by the culture, by the diet industry, following diets. Basically, we've just been told what to do for most of our lives. Therefore, we have a lack of experience in making decisions. So we've got low energy or no energy, fear, confusion and uncertainty from too much consumption. And then the fourth one is lack of experience. So I'm actually reading um, a book right now and it is called Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power. And the woman that's writing this book is, she was a dominatrix and she was a Taoist, Taoist nun. 
I'm probably going to butcher that. <laughs> Basically, she was um, heavily uh, rooted in the spiritual Eastern um, Taoist Buddhism nun space. <laughs> and then at night, she would go to the dungeon and she was a dominatrix. And so this book is so fascinating uh, and it's all about power and how we can, how we can own our power as women. And I want to read you a little, um, a little piece out of it that has to do with what we're talking about today. So I quote, over a lifetime of ignoring our own basic inner cues, we lose touch with what we're actually thinking and feeling. We go numb. We lose discernment, the understanding that subtle differences make a difference. That isn't subtle at all. We lose our connection to the inner signal, to the life force itself. And that's no good. We need to know what we are feeling. And that links into why we're so bad at making decisions. Because for a, a lifetime, for so long, we've ignored our inner cues. We don't have any trust with our body. And when we don't trust our body or trust ourselves, we certainly don't feel confident in making decisions. The other day I wrote a little post about confidence and how, you know, I don't believe confidence is a outfit or a pose or a mood or a moment. Uh, confidence is when we trust ourselves and our bodies. Confidence is when we are so connected to our deepest desires and we fulfill them. And I think that's, you know, what power is as well. So we're stuck in this place of like training ambivalence, I like to call it. And when we feel ambivalent, we're just really experiencing contradictory thoughts and feelings towards our training and our body. It's the uncertainty that we feel about what we need to do to help us achieve our goals. Uncertainty makes us feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> we don't like to feel uncertain. <laughs> so when we feel uncomfortable, we crave a definitive answer so we force ourselves uh, and we force ourselves one way or the other. And often we do it really quickly and it usually falls along a couple of different lines. One, which I think is our favorite option, is that we go for the quick fix or we run. So we run from our feelings and thoughts by taking action, but often this action is reactive. So it's a quick fix or a really quick decision and it doesn't support us or our body and where we're at right now, or it's not really in alignment with where we want to go. It's a very reactive decision and a decision that lacks elegance. So we run or we run away. So we run away, we stop doing the program, uh, we stop doing the nutrition work, uh, we stop following the plan because trying to figure it out is uncomfortable and hard and it feels easier just to avoid it. So we run away. We make excuses. Uh, often what a lot of women will do is that they will start adding all of these other things into their life uh, 
that they feel like they need or they feel like it's important, uh, but they're really just, it just takes up space and it's a, it's really just a measure to run away and avoid. Oh, I can't do that now because I've taken on this big project at work or I can't do that now because, you know, we're moving or I can't do that now because, you know, I'm doing X, Y, or Z. And really it's because they are running away from the feeling of ambivalence or uncertainty. Or what they also like to do is start over-consuming information to give us the answer instead of trying to figure out what we need to do for ourselves right now. So we indulge in confusion and uncertainty. So that's option one. So we normally go for the quick fix. So we start over-consuming information, um, trying to just find the answer. Uh, we, we stop listening to ourselves. We indulge in that confusion and uncertainty. Or, you know, we run away from the feelings and thoughts. You know, we, tr we kind of run away from the decision by taking action. And often that action is just the opposite of what we really want to do because it's so reactive and it's a quick fix. Um, and it feels like it's going to work uh, at the start, but then it actually doesn't. Uh, and or we run away. So that the option one kind of has three three stages um, or three things that we we normally do. We do have a second option though. <laughs> there is another option. We hold the uncertainty so we can make an elegant decision. And this is really hard. Ambivalence takes up a lot of emotional real estate. Takes up a lot of energy because it's this never ending conversation um, of you know. We're trying to make the decision. There's this dance, this pull, this friction, uh, and there's a lot of tension that comes up. So often we think that we need to resolve the tension and come to a decision, you know, that we need the answer. So then we're going to force, and then we force that option one on ourselves. But this option, if we take option two, it really just asks us to sit with the feeling of uncertainty for a while, to sit in this place of not knowing, um, of ambivalence, and it just requires us to slow down and become aware. This is not easy. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And I have spoken about this before on the podcast. I think in episode 152, I speak about how to overcome uncertainty and enjoy the hard parts. Uh, so go back in and listen to that if you haven't listened to it. So we have this second option and we can just hold the uncertainty of, okay, well, right now, I'm not sure what the best decision is. And I promise myself that I'm not going to run away from the thoughts or the feelings by trying to quickly solve it and making an inelegant decision. I'm not going to start over-consuming information because I'm going to feel more uncertain and confused. And I'm not going to run away from the commitment I made to myself to get healthier and have a consistent training practice. I'm not going to do those things. <laughs> I am going to choose option two and I'm going to hold the uncertainty so I can make an elegant decision. Because we can make decisions, small ones, big ones, but often we ain't making elegant decisions. 
Uh, and the reason why is the energy, the fear, the lack of experience piece, but also we're not okay with holding ambivalence. And so we're not okay with being uncomfortable. So we force. So I'm not an indecisive person. I'm actually very good at making decisions. I make decisions quickly. There's an element of speed when I do it. Now, that doesn't mean they are rash decisions. I've often spent a lot of time with ambivalence. It just means that I always choose option two. I'm okay with sitting in ambivalence. I'm okay with sitting in uncertainty so I can make an elegant decision. So while we choose option two, that gives us time to go through a process that can help us make a powerful decision. And I'll share it with you today. But I do experience self-doubt. self doubt, And that's, um, this is something I just want to talk about. And I'm going to give you a few examples. I am a very powerful decision maker. One of the reasons why I think I'm a very powerful decision maker is I've always been very good at listening to what I call my ovaries. So listen to your ovaries, like listen to your gut, listen to that intuition. Uh, I have this very cool intuition. Uh, and so I'm quite good at making decisions. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't experience self-doubt. It doesn't mean that I haven't sat in this place of ambivalence. I have. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. Uh, so there's just a few examples that I thought that I would share with you uh, that, that came up for me when I was thinking about it. So the first one was I actually got into a performing arts school and I wanted to be a famous actress and walk on the red carpet. I wanted to be a performer, but my sister had suffered an anorexia for quite a number of years and she was very sick. So then I decided that I would become a dietitian and I would specialize in eating disorders. And so I did my undergrad degree in exercise science and nutrition. I got into the best master's program in Melbourne. Uh, I did my master's in dietetics. I found uh, amazing mentors that worked in the eating disorder space. I started to learn underneath them. I worked in private practice. I was seeing patients who were experiencing eating disorders and disordered eating, but I didn't like it. It was very hard emotionally and mentally uh, it was very hard to start your own practice and start your own business. Um, and so it took me about nine months to make a decision to leave private practice and to go back into the training space to combine the training and the nutrition. So I had been a dietitian for, you know, a couple of years in private practice and it just like, it just didn't feel right. I wasn't enjoying the experience. It um, like support wasn't there to help me grow the business. And I just didn't like working with women that just had severe eating disorders and disordered eating. It's very hard work mentally and emotionally. And so I had to sit with that for a really long time. 
a lot came up for me. If I decide this, you work so hard to be a dietitian, you know, you spend all of this money to be a dietitian. This is, this was the plan. This is what you wanted to do. Now you're going to walk away from it. You know, I remember when I finished my master's, my dad said to me, now, are you going to go and get a job like a real dietitian? Like, are you going to go and work in the hospital, you know, Monday to Friday, eight to five. And I remember saying to him, dad, my soul would die if I had to do that. If I had to work in a hospital, I would just die. And so that really sat with me of like, you're going to be a failure if you walk away from this. You've worked so hard. You've spent so much money. And I didn't feel confident at all to make the decision. So I really sat in this place of uncertainty and ambivalence. And I really wish... I knew what I know now about making powerful decisions, but I believe, you know, we got to go through life and make these decisions uh, to learn. Uh, so it took me about nine months to make this decision. And then I made it and I left private practice. I went back to the training space and started to combine nutrition and training together. Then there was the time where I had back pain on and off for like a year and I was weak and I was broken and I didn't know what to do. Like I felt really uncertain. I was scared to train. Uh, and then I was referred to a trainer and now that decision came really easily because I knew I needed a plan. I knew I needed someone to support me. But for a long time, I sat in this place of just feeling weak and broken. And I didn't know what to do. And I felt really uncertain. And I felt really scared. And I couldn't make a decision because of my fear, because of my lack of experience when it came to the injury or rehabilitating my back. Uh, I just didn't know. And so then when I started working with my coach, that was the that was the decision to work with someone and so i could move from this place of uncertainty to feeling certain you know from scared to feeling more confident and then i moved to canada and again i really um i sat in this place this second option uh of just really thinking about it i was a bit ambivalent i was uncertain you know i had to start all over again I had built my business uh, over seven years in Melbourne and then I packed up my life and I moved to Canada and I had to start all over again. Now, I made the decision to move to Canada to be with Carson, but I still sat in this place of ambivalence and uncertainty for a while before I made the decision. And it's been... I've done it many times since. So with my business, uh, with this reinvention that I'm going through, I'll always choose option two. I'll always choose to hold the uncertainty so I can make an elegant decision. But I, I don't stay there for too long. And I think that is a really important thing is that we can choose option two, but then we can hide behind that option. To be like, oh, look, I'm a little uncertain. I feel a bit ambivalent. So I'm just going to sit here in this option for a long time. That's avoidance. We do we actually need to do the work while we're in option two? And 
all of those decisions, those examples, they were easy decisions, but they did come with a serve of ambivalence and a side of self-doubt. <laughs> so we can, you know, we can know we can know the decision that we want to make, you know, and I do believe that if we were to tune into our ovaries and our gut, a lot of us actually know the decision that we need to make to support us and where we want to go. That decision is just actually can be big and scary. And so it's okay that it comes with a side of self-doubt and a serve of ambivalence. I actually think that's a great thing. I think when we're trying to make big decisions, maybe even small ones, that they come with this serve of ambivalence and this side of self-doubt. And, you know, I think that's really normal because you've never done the thing before. So you don't have the evidence. You don't have the experience. And that's, I think, an important distinction. So do you doubt yourself or do you doubt the situation? So I don't doubt myself. I trust myself. And I actually have this unwavering, unwavering belief in myself. But a side of self-doubt is often served up to me when I'm thinking of doing something really big on you. And that's totally normal. That's okay. Like, uh, for example, I... I want to write a book and now I haven't done a lot of writing recently, but when I first made that decision, it was who, who are you to write a book? What do you have to say? Now I made the decision to write a book. That was very clear. But what comes after that is that option one or option two. It's the lack of decisiveness that's holding you back. And it also wastes a lot of time and a lot of energy so we need to make the decision. And then once we've made the decision, we've just got to sit with the ambivalence and the self-doubt for a little while. So this is how I make decisions. I am clear on my vision. I know where I want to go. You've got to be clear on that vision. This is why at the start of the podcast episode, I had you do that activity. What is your vision? When you think about your future, what does it look like? What do you want to be able to do? How do you feel? Uh, what do you imagine and internalize for your world, for your life? So I am very clear on my vision for my life and for my business and for my health. I know where I want to go and how I want to feel. The vision drives decision. <laughs> I truly believe vision drives decision. Then I get energy. So I make sure that I have strong energy inputs and that I am limiting the number of energy leakages. The third thing I do is I create systems. I have systems, strategies, plans then I make choices that are in alignment with that vision that are supported by the systems and the plans. I carry out behaviors that are in alignment with where I want to go and how I want to feel. 
if we don't make choices that are in alignment with our vision, it creates friction. And this is where we land in this place of wanting to run away. And this is why your vision and where you want to go is so important. When you're clear on that, when that excites you, you want to get the energy to fuel the mission. You want to create those systems and the plans and the strategies to help you get where you want to go. Then it's easier to make choices that are in alignment alignment with that vision. The next thing I have is a wise council. I have a board of directors. Uh, I have people at my table that are my wise council. I use them to bounce ideas off to talk about decisions, ideas, my business. They are my support system. Then the last thing I do is I try things on. I'm not afraid to try things on. I think it's so essential. And this concept comes from one of my warriors, Julie, of we need to be brave enough just to try something on. Try it on. How does it fit? How does it feel? Does it work for you? Is it in alignment with where you want to go? Try it on. And if it doesn't work, we try something else on. So those are my five. Is it five? One, two, three, four, five, six. Those are my six steps. This is how I make decisions. I'm clear on my vision. I get energy. I have systems. I make choices or I carry out behaviors that are in alignment with that vision I have a wise counsel to advise me uh, on business decisions, financial decisions, uh, even on my health and my training decisions. And then I try things on. And I've really just learned that that's what we got to do. You know, over the last 14 years, I've learned that we've got to try things on with our training, see what works. We've got to try things on in our business, in our life. And if it doesn't, well, then we try something else on. The biggest thing that I've learned about making decisions, big or small, is this. Making a decision requires a death. To really choose something and commit, all other possibilities must die, at least for now. (laughs) Anyway, and there's a sense of FOMO with that. So there's that fear word again, fear of missing out. If I make this decision... I'm afraid that I'm going to miss out on X, Y, and Z. If I make this decision, that means I'm not making that that other decision. If I make this decision, it means that other decision dies. But when we are indecisive, when we avoid making decisions, we're avoiding that death. And then what happens is that we overburden ourselves. We overburden our mind, we overburden our energy, we overburden our life because of our indecisiveness. So I think it's a cool way to look at it, that if I make this decision, it means another decision will die and that's okay. It just dies for now. It doesn't mean that it won't come up again. It doesn't mean that I can't try it on in the future. I just need to make a decision. And so that there is a death that comes with that. 
So you can check out some related podcast episodes. I'll pop them in the show notes. And all of those podcast episodes are on how to overcome uncertainty, enjoy the process, get clear about what you want and how to manage your mind. Uh, And if you really need help in making decisions, especially when it comes to your training and your health, you got to come and check out Warrior School. It's my individualized and group coaching program for women. And we use mindset work, nutrition and training to help you build a life that you love, to help you build a body that you love. Uh, We get energy into you. We create a plan and a strategy. We build a consistent and sustainable training practice. And we do a lot of mindset work. I teach you how to make really elegant decisions around your training. I teach you how to dynamically adjust your plans and your strategies so you can keep training, so you can keep progressing forward. And so you can live a life that you love, that you can live a life that turns you on. All right, warrior. It was so nice to spend time with you today. I really appreciate you whacking me in your ears. Uh, If this resonated, let me know. Let me know your biggest takeaway. Uh, Also, send it along to another warrior. If you feel like she needs to hear it, uh, I'd love if you you shared it. Okay, I'll pop the link um, to all of the related podcast episodes in the show notes. And then I'll also pop the link about Warrior School. So if you know of a warrior that would be really interested in warrior school, let her know and send her the link. Okay, warrior woman, bye for now. Warrior woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.